Welcome into another edition of the Hops and Spirits podcast. It's another flight night, our fifth one. Uh, we had a lot of fun uh, last month talking to Greg Snyder of Chicken Cock Whiskey, who's uh, kind of a legend in the game. And we have another great one coming up for you. These guys are doing some things uh, pretty impressive at the world's highest distillery out in Colorado. Uh, but remember to follow us on our social media at Hop Spirits on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok for a lot of fun. And you keep up with all of our giveaways, our new episodes, and so much more. But let's not waste any time because these flight nights are fun. Let's introduce everyone. First up, you know her as A or Influence Guy on Instagram, Ariella. Hey, y'all. We have better known, I guess, as VA Bourbon Hunter or D, Damon. What's up? What's up? And our guest tonight is Brian Nolt, who is the founder owner of Breckenridge Distiller, Distilling out in Breckenridge, Colorado. Brian, welcome in. Thanks, Dan. Hey, everyone. Now, I always like to start these things off with a fun question. We're a tough one, depending on what you think. So tonight's one tough question is, with summer almost here, although, Brian, you said it's snowing in Colorado, so. Snowed today. <laughs> so, so you might be really thinking about this one. Uh, are you more likely to go to the pool or find the river lake? What, what are you guys more likely to do or none of the above? Well, I am uh, I am widely known in my friend group for completely hating the beach. Like everyone that knows me knows I hate the beach and I, I will go there zero times usually. So I'm 100% a pool guy. Easier to get a cocktail at the pool. Yep, there you go. Hey, what about you? Um, I would say since the beach is pretty far for me, it's like six hours to the Gulf. Um, I would say the river or the pool. Um, it's right down the corner, but truthfully, there's nothing like a good bottle of whiskey uh, next to a river or a lake or even a pool, whatever. Whatever body of water. water. <laughs> Just water and whiskey go side to side together. I agree, Brian. Yeah, well, pool is a lot easier to get to for us, even though um, lots of times it has to be an indoor pool up here. But, you know, with the 10, 9 to 10 months of winter that we have up here, we try to get away at least twice a year to the beach. So we'll do that in the winter. And then the rest of the time, it's pool or stream. You know, there's streams everywhere. But if, uh, if it's flowing water, I'm fishing in it, you know. <laughs> I, and I, i'm i'm kind of I, I love going to the beach it's just a very very long drive from kentucky and i keep moving farther away and i don't know why um you know we, we have lakes which that's great and, and rivers too which i i love but there's just something about the beach bringing down some some beer uh maybe a little later in the evening some whiskey and just sitting back and relaxing and uh i i just thoroughly enjoy it especially if i end up taking a nap on the beach it's just it's just a good time there you go. There now, you go. Now, to get into the fun of our flight night, we have four varieties that we're going to be trying tonight. First up is the uh, Breckenridge Bourbon Whiskey. For those that are watching, and remember, you can watch us on uh, Facebook and YouTube. Uh, Brian, can you talk a little bit about it? Yeah, you bet. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, the story was, idea was in 2007, and then by 2008, uh, we were making bourbon and malt whiskey. Uh, mainly, and um, you know, my passion was, uh, as I sort of mentioned earlier, was scotch. I was a scotch guy, crazy scotch collector, and that's sort of really what got me going 
in whiskey. And so when we decided to make uh, bourbon, I wanted to make a uh, bourbon that a whiskey or a scotch drinker would like. And um, so I you know, didn't, didn't want to do like a like super approachable sweet one. I wanted it to be a little more complex, bigger whiskey. So we went with a high rye mash bill and, and I've always done that. So the stuff we make in-house is 54% yellow corn, 38% rye, and the rest is barley. So very high rye. Um, this bourbon whiskey right here. So this is a blend, this particular product. So this is made with, uh, with our Colorado whiskey, which is 38%. Um, rye and it's blended with other high rye whiskeys and um, blending used to be I love to blend because you just have more you know colors to paint with and it used to be really easy to find all these great whiskeys but now it's really hard so blending is a lot harder to do so you know it's kind of um, we try to keep doing blended whiskeys but they're they get harder and harder because you just can't find really you know great other whiskey to blend but there's a little Kentucky a little Indiana and a little Tennessee um, in our blend. Um, usually the youngest stuff we'll put in is about four years old and um, we blend to a particular like uh, flavor um, that we want and so the ages sort of range but it gets pretty you know, complicated and um, we blend a lot of whiskeys together. Youngest usually like four and then we'll have stuff as old as 12. Sometimes a lot of 10 to 12 year old whiskey um, in the blend but um, 86 proof and um, you know, the nose on this is, um, it's obviously a bourbon. You smell a lot of rye and white pepper and, you know, let me know what else you guys are getting on the nose, but it smells nice and sweet and brown sugar and honey and all the stuff you love in a bourbon along with the rye and spice. What did you say the mash bill was again? 38% rye. So 50, 54% yellow corn, 38 rye, and then the rest is barley. It's actually kind of, yeah, that high. That high rye percentage actually, like I, I definitely get the rye, but not as not as spicy as I actually expected to get on the nose. That corn still kind of seeps through a lot. Yeah, it'll it, if you uh, open it up, Skosh, um, if you get more rye coming through, and you'll definitely get it on the palate. Definitely. Be interested to see how much rye you get on the next one we do on the PX, which is pretty much about the same blend, but finished in a Peter Jimenez cask. Yeah, I can say that Ooh, just going by your, your first description of, you know, uh, you wanted a bourbon that Scotch drinkers uh, would like. And I'm not a Scotch drinker at all, so it actually really scared me when you said that. And I was like, oh, God, I'm not going to like any of these. But, <laughs> <laughs> like, this is actually pretty good. It's um, especially for the proof. I mean, what is it, 86 proof? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 86 proof is so pretty flavorful for that. Yeah, definitely. And um, it's. It's, uh, it's nice that we're going to end with the 105 today, too, because you get to see it at what I think is the best proof. But the 86 is um, is a good uh, a good number for um, this particular bourbon as a typical American palate, you know, um, would want to drink it. So it starts yeah. getting a little hot when you go higher. Oh, yeah. 105, and then the magic happens, and it all of a sudden softens right back up, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> I, I like the nose. Right, that's it. nice. Yeah, I thought that was a very inviting for for first. Uh, you know, uh, it's like a lot of like uh, it's very easy. The nose is like rye, but then very sweet, like honey wafer um, yeah. like. Um, definitely, I could see why this is an entry point to your like kind of lineup here. Yeah, and 
kind of actually out. smell a lot of scotch in it too. It's a little bit. It's like very sweet. You got your scotch like, brain on. It's very floral. Like yeah, pears. Yeah, it's very floral. Yeah, definitely. Pears. Yeah, it's floral. Yeah, yeah. And then, am I correct too that you guys use snowmelt uh, water from the Rockies in, in this as well? Yeah, it's really what that is. We're just referring to the proofing water. So it's just like under water. But um, if you look out, you know, we're at 9,600 feet. If you look out the door of the distillery, you see the Continental Divide. And so all of our water comes from right there. So the snow comes down, comes through the mountain, and it goes to this place um, at the bottom of the mountain called the Tarn. And the Tarn is where the water is collected from wells. And, uh, and it's just, um, it's incredible water. It's The mineral content is super, super high. So you you get lots of, um, you know, mouthfeel naturally and uh, no iron, no sulfur. So it's, it's everything you want in a, in a mash and a blending water. And, um, you know, it's, it's an unfair advantage because <laughs> if you take the same water, yeah. or the same whiskey and try to blend it with other water, it doesn't even taste the same. So it's, it's, it's an advantage. It makes it a lot easier. Yeah, look good, that, that rye stays in the back palate for a while too. I like yeah, it. Yeah, long rye spice finish. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Love rye whiskey too. It's uh, Scotch rye and you know, of course, bourbon um, are my favorites. But ah, man, I just I love rye whiskey. Now, one of the questions I'm going to get to is on on the Scotch influence because it's kind of how you got started. But before I get to that, though. You're still a practicing doctor and physician, right? Like that's yeah, your day yeah. job, and then this is kind of like your fun side uh, detox, re, you know, relaxing gig. Is that right? Well, that's what it was supposed to be. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that's that's where the notion came from. I was um, I was actually in Breckenridge. I was fly fishing one day up in Mohawk Lakes, just below that Continental Divide, with a buddy of mine who's at Yardock and Bale, and he was complaining about this and the whole day this is in 2007 and I had just gone back from Scotland and was just on cloud nine talking about you know everything I did in Scotland all the whiskeys I drank and these crazy rare bottlings that I brought home and smuggled and you know it was just it was just super awesome and and that's where I had the idea and so that's really it just came out of passion for whiskey I just I you know I just wanted to sell bottles at the door cash flow um, bringing some, you know, really good people that were smarter than me and knew how to do it. Um, and just, you know, and just survive. And then it just, it just took off, you know? And so now it's like, we have 125 employees, you know, we're, we're one of the largest craft or little distilleries in the U S you know, we'll do 200,000 cases of product this year. So we're, you know, we're, yeah, we're pretty, it's, it's a busy operation <laughs> now. So now it's like, that's my job. Yeah. 365 days a year and I get to sprinkle in a little bit of doctoring in there as well. Wow. It's like, oh, it's almost like a, like a midlife crisis became like a career. <laughs> yeah, totally. It I'm, sounds I'm, like I'm, it. On that. It was supposed to be my fun, you know, my getaway where it was this romantic notion of, uh, you know, drinking whiskey and, yeah. you know, but now it's just, it's work. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, but that's not a bad work. That's that's not a bad work. Yeah, at all. yeah there's yeah. Uh, there's definitely worse things. <laughs> and, and, and and you mentioned you know that that's kind of how you got your start, but obviously you guys couldn't. Anyone that knows how bourbon works, it takes a little while to get bourbon aged and up to it. So you guys, did you do vodka first and then kind of but made the bourbon or and were kind of storing it away with that thought or or how did you guys yep. kind of get started? Yeah, so uh, we started making uh, the malt whiskey and the bourbon right out of the gate, like in 2008. 
and then started making vodka and um, uh, shortly thereafter, but we didn't open to the public until it was like um, the very end of 2010 or the day before 2011, I think. So we didn't really, we didn't release anything until then. So, you know, we waited and watched our money burn, uh, you know, while we were waiting to get some product out and it just, you know, I'm a, the vodka is outstanding and, you know, wins lots of awards and really features the water, which is what's nice about the vodka. But, you know, we're a, we're a whiskey company and I'm a whiskey guy. And so I, I wasn't going to open the door and just start selling vodka. Um, you know, I wanted to wait. So, so we did, we just waited, you know, three years and then started releasing our first bourbons at that point in time. They were young, but, but really still really good. And things age pretty quick up here, which is nice. Um, you know, we, you can't age anything outdoors here because it's, you know, <laughs> winter yeah. nine months of the year and it's really, wow. so you have to age everything inside. And, um, th but that allows you to keep, um, you know, a good heat or a higher heat. We would cycle the heat cycle back and forth, back and forth and added humidity. So things age pretty quick here just based upon that. Um, and then also the aging environment's a little different too, because I think it's, it has to do with the, the front, the weather fronts and the high and the low pressure just constantly, it's just nonstop. And I think it just, it forces everything in and out of the staves. So, you know, we found things age really, you know, nicely and, and quick up here. Wow. Well, that, that, that's awesome to hear. Cause our, our next one, is a is kind of what would you call it the cousin of the bourbon whiskey <laughs> um yeah or, so um you know after i mentioned the blending part earlier so you know i love um having more colors to paint with you know and when we taste through the barrels that we make we put them in one of four categories they all sort of fit into one one of four categories there's what we call fruit forward there's uh rye you know, lots of rice spice there is uh oak forward and there's vanilla forward barrels. And so, you know, it's nice to sort of get your ratios down to how you want your blend to taste and you can blend in different ages and, um, you know, and, and it affects everything from the way it hits your tongue to mid palate to mouthfeel and finish. But cask aging is a lot of fun um, and gives you, um, man, I mean, it's just, it's the infinite uh, number of new flavors. Um, so the first one we did was the port cask, and that's been the crowd favorite for, for a long time. We use tawny port barrels from Portugal. That, that's just like peanut butter and jelly. You know, that, that's just perfect. Um, after we did that one, the PX was next. So um, I love sherry, and I really wanted to do a sherry finish. And, you know, being a scotch guy, too, um, I, I really love the sherry influence on scotch, more so than the used bourbon casks on the scotch. Um, and... Uh, you know, it's interesting because if you drink sherry, you know, there's like pheno. The pheno can be like super dry, like a competition for dry, like yeah. almost like a competition for hops in an imperial IPA or a competition for, for peat in a oh. scotch. And then you go all the way to the cream sherries, which are super sweet. So I ruined a lot of bourbon, you know, as we moved along. And the things that you would think would be the best aren't necessarily the best, but it turns out PX is is the magic. So um, PX is a short for Pedro Jimenez. It's a great varietal, you know, used in sherry in uh, the Andalusia region of Spain. Um, the barrels that we get come off of these ancient Soleras. They're like 100 to 200 years old. Um, and, um, and people like 
typically of like either like they love the port or they love the sherry. They you know there's usually one or the other. Which batch do you guys have, by the way? Uh, I believe uh, number six. Uh, six. Yeah. Okay. So yours will be slightly different. I got a batch three that I opened up, and uh, so it'll be these batches. You know they vary a little bit. Um, and so what what your nose and may not be. Exactly. Oh, wow, it smells delicious. It's like sweet how tea. Long? Um, yeah, the sherry is huge. Yeah, how long has it been in the sherry in the PI yeah, cast? Up to a year in the sherry cast. A year. Yeah. A year. Mm, that's a I was gonna say one thing I noticed just looking at all the bottles right next to me is how much darker. Yeah. This one is than than any of the other oh, yeah. ones. And I. And it's been three years. Is it a first filled? Yeah. Uh, X cask. Wow, first filled PX cask. Uh, well, so it came off of Solera, and then we go oh, okay. gotcha. and then we use them once, and then they're done for us. We've extracted everything out, and we've tried to to, to do a round two on them, and they're just so extracted. You, you're like three years later, you're like, well, it's coming around, you know. <laughs> <You're ready. laughs> this is super interesting because it's like you you smell and you taste the sherry, right? But it's not super overpowering and like you know i've i've tasted a couple of different uh sherry cast finished uh bourbons or whiskeys and you know and maybe this maybe this is the fact that you maybe you guys put in the in the sherry cast a little bit longer but a lot of times when i taste the sherry cast the sherry just overpowers it so much and it's just like that's all you taste with this one that's not like to me it's it's actually a, a really good balance yeah, I think that there's you when you're barrel finishing whiskeys, you got to learn like how wet of a barrel you want, you know. And uh, like the next thing we're gonna do the rum cast that's made with our own rum, and so those casts are wet. Like they're you know like you could pour a little yeah. rum out of the bottom of that thing if you if you want. <laughs> but the um the with the sherry the PX you got I me mean, it's got to be there can be no sherry left in the barrel or or that's exactly what happens. The sherry just takes okay. over. And sherry and bourbon um, can be a tricky combination. You know, sherry and malt whiskey is like magic. It's just like bourbon and, um, and port, you know, go together. But sherry can work against the whiskey. And that's the thing I learned starting yes. on the dry side. You get these just off dry notes that are not at all pleasant. Um, and so it's tricky. This, one's, this one is really tricky to get, but um, what I love about it, you know, is the, you know, it's the dark fruits, it's the, you know, it's the raisin and the fig and, um, and just that extra wood yep. note that's very different. Um, and depending on the batch, so, some batches really concentrate rye on the finish and some don't. This one I've got batch three does not, but I just did a tasting last week. I don't remember which batch it was and the rye just, oh man, it was just so beautiful on the finish. It went forever, so. I was just going to say the rye finish on this is very much there. It like actually plays so well against the sherry notes, that raisin, that juicy notes of like fig, um, and that rye spice gives it like more of a balance. It doesn't actually have a lot of tannic um, that you get from a lot of like sherry cats. Um, Yeah, this this one's actually really good. I would. I get sherry too, like on on like the very back, like I get like the rye, and then like I get like right the very end, like just a little bit of like cherry or something that kind of sweet, like the sweetness kind of mellows out the the spice note just a little bit. Yep. 
And you'll get like some walnut in there too, like some kind of that drier, uh, drier walnut. Yeah. It's very, very smooth. Like, I mean, right from the start for me, it was very, very smooth the whole way through, which I, I enjoyed. Yeah. yeah I don't think I've had a high rye in a PX cast before, a high rye bourbon right. in a PX. Yep. I'm just thinking, just what, what, what is like the other one? I don't think I've had any high rye in a PX. I haven't. Yeah, I haven't uh, seen them out there either. Is this the same mash bill as the bourbon? It is. Okay. Yep. Now, now one thing I, I did want to bring up is you guys tend to win a few awards is from what I've, I've read is you guys are um, doing, doing well, which is what you want, uh, especially when it's other people saying you're doing well. Uh, but it's not only just for your bourbons. It's, I mean, I believe your, your bar manager got a, an award, your, your venue space got an award. What, what, what does it mean that you have this kind of all encompassing uh, kind of just a, an award winning place that, that people can go and visit? It's just, I mean, I think it's just, it, you know, shows the commitment to quality more than anything. You know, if, uh, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it right. You know, and I, I just want people to be blown away with, with everything we, we do or put out. And, you know, I said we have about 125 employees and they're all high performers. You know what I mean? It's rare to get that many people together and they're all like awesome. <laughs> and that's just, that's the culture. And, and that's, that's why, um, you know, that's why we win. And, um, you know, Bill, Billy Keith Lee just won Icons of Whiskey Bar Manager of the Year this year. So that's a huge honor. Um, we also this awesome. year won um, uh, from Whiskey Magazine, Icons of Whiskey, no, number two uh, distillery attraction in the U.S. Sazerac ha House got number one, that brand new, like, mega, 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 mega million dollar uh, thing they, they did in New Orleans. Looks awesome. Yeah. Can't wait to check it out. But so to finish number two to that, you know, was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, the awards, the awards have been constant and sort of, I, I think that's what kind of ruined my plan for this little romantic, uh, uh, business that, that I wanted to run. You know, we, when we released that first bourbon, um, I talked to our master distiller, Jordan by at the time. And I, I said, Hey man, what's like the hardest whiskey awards, you know, to win. He, he said, uh, his opinion, it was international wine spirits out of UK. And, uh, they only give out three golds in the bourbon category. And, you know, we got one of the three. So that sort of got us on the map. And then uh, we had a, it was New York International Spirits Competition, I think. Um, we went head to head against the Pappy 23 and we were the highest scoring whiskey. We got 96 with with this whiskey here and Pappy 23 got 95. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, we wow. won the distillery of the year, uh, I don't know, five, six years. Um, we've uh, won icons of whiskey for this one here also. Well, the, between this, the Port Cask, and the PX, um, they've won uh, Best American Blended Whiskey uh, with uh, Whiskey Magazine Icons of Whiskey five out of the last six years, you know. So it's just win, win, win. Our gin uh, won World's Best Gin at the World Gin Awards this year. So, you know, that's just, that's just, um, it's a, I'm not, you know, it, it's because it's, it's passion, it's about the product. Um, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't do this cause I wanted to flip the distillery and make money. I did it cause this is what I want to do. And so the commitment is, is like obscene, you know, the attention to detail and, um, the
the commitment by all the staff is there. And so the wins, the wins are for, for them, you know, because we have great people and I let them do their thing and they're, and they're just awesome. And, you know, with the facility winning the awards and stuff like that, that that's, that's important because that's how we market, you know, um, I, we really go head to head against, you know, like Woodford and, you know, the, the big brands that are owned by giant multinational companies but I don't have $700 million uh, for marketing one SKU, you know, like they do. Not yet. Um, we, <laughs> yeah, not yet. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think we ever will, but, uh, <laughs> but so the way we compete is by just, you know, having the portfolio approach where people are willing to try stuff across the whole uh, portfolio and uh, they like it and they share it with their friends and then they come on site and they're like, wow, this place was freaking awesome. Like I, just can't believe what just happened here you know uh i'm blown away and so they take a bottle home and share it with their friends so that's that's how we do it so it's awesome that the you know the distillery and billy and everybody they just keep winning yeah well, well and I was gonna say, awesome. you've, you've got quite the portfolio and you've got quite the uh uh breckenridge is a beautiful part of the country um now one of the other ones in the portfolio that we're going to try um like i said if you're watching the episode you get to see the the, the lovely bottle is the rum cask finish uh, batch number seven uh and now you said you guys make your own rum is that we right do, yeah so we do uh it's a uh, uh and molasses rum and then um we um only sell it in the spiced as a spiced rum and um you know that's kind of a little niche project but it's a lot of fun um the reason we did it was because um don't get me wrong man we love captain morgan and a Captain Morgan and Coke. I am totally down with that on the beach or at the pool. I love it. But we wanted to make a spice rum in the style um, that, it, you know, originally that those were based off of. And so it's a huge, it's a huge pain <laughs> to do it the right way. You have to do uh, multiple different macerations, right? So there's no fake flavors in it. It's all done with macerations of fruit peels, spices, roots, and barks, and all that stuff. It's really complicated, but it makes an awesome spice rum. And um, you know, we love tiki cocktails too. So it's, 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 uh, it's nice to have in there, but as we, um, were, I mean, do you, do you do that when you're, uh, you know, skiing and snowboarding? Is that, that, that the, the drink they have then <laughs> the spiced rum? The spi spiced rum? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, spiced rum is more like the, uh, campfire. It's like the campfire, uh, your dram around the campfire or your, uh, your tiki cocktail. Like if you want to take it to the next level, you throw that in there and he's like, <laughs> so as we were I, I did saw good no sorry i did saw a spice uh spice whiskey um on, yeah. on one of the products is that using ice whiskey yeah. that you're okay yeah we do that too and that one was um we just started putting that it's called the holiday spices so we started putting that out the holidays and it was became a super cult thing and there was always a line at the door and it would sell out and so finally we just we couldn't, we just had to make it year round, you know, cause people were always asking for it. I got tired of put, telling people no, but, um, but so with the rum cast finish, um, so as we were sitting there, we were doing the macerations, you know, we would, you put the sort of the like um, ingredients together when you do the maceration and they'll go, you know, hours to days. And so when you're sitting there and you're tinkering on it and you're drinking bourbon, you start to realize a lot of these flavors really go together. And so we took a very long time to um, figure out how to get the spice rum just right to finish the whiskey in it. 
and this one's dangerous. I, I was afraid that after uh, we released this, people weren't going to drink any of our other whiskeys because this uh, this is just this one's kind of the bomb. You know, um, uh, everybody loves it, whether they're uh, an aficionado whiskey snob or or not. They uh, they tend to love this one. I was waiting for you to, to finish your spiel because I was going to say the same exact thing because I don't know what you guys did to this, but this is this is completely different than I thought I was going to taste with a rum cast finish. The nose is like a butterscotch candy, and I mean this is this is delicious. Like this the is, nose is butter. Just it reminds me of butter. Yeah, totally different yeah, like than the first probably, two. Totally like different than the first two. It doesn't even. It's, it's just. It's so unique and. Nothing I've ever, nothing I've ever, you know, tasted before. And I mean, like you, you're explaining like you no know, competition with you know Captain Morgan and everything. And like you taste the you taste the spice rum in here. You know, it's like, but it, it meshes so well with this mash bill. It's it's amazing. It does. It's kind of like a buttery French toast with syrup on it. You know, it's like yeah, it's and, so uh, good, smooth. Yeah, there's like. like there's, um, you know, there's whiskey critics out there that, um, you know, it's like some of them love you, some of them hate you and always want to beat you up. And I'm not going to name any names, but there, there's this one group that's been, man, they've just been always, I felt like really hard on us. And, um, but, you know, we kept sending them stuff. And when this one came out, they said it was their, it was their whiskey of the year for uh, 2021. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> we finally got them. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, it's just like, it's so, like, it's sweet, and then it's almost like right when you think it's going to be a little bit too sweet, that rod just cuts right through and just mellows everything out, and it, it just balances so yeah. much. It's, I could I could finish this bottle tonight if I wanted to, probably. My wife wouldn't be happy, but I probably would. Yeah, that's well put. That's exactly it. It's just, <laughs> gets you, and then you're thinking, okay, it's going to get sweet, but then no... Then it just goes to mouthfeel, and then the spice yes. kicks in, and then the rye kicks in, and then the finish is spicy. And uh, man, it's just, uh, it's, yeah. So this is uh, the crowd favorite now, and we knew it would be, and this thing just got allocated overnight. And uh, we're, we're, I'm actually putting in a new still just to make more rum. Um, so I can get more barrels. And um, now I got to figure out what to do with the rum because we don't sell that much rum. Something with it. Well, you, then you then you're good though to make the bourbon that'll pay for all the rum that you just bought for yourself. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I think of of uh, I think it was Barrel Bourbon talking about how they became one of like the world's number one purchasers of one specific like barrel because they wanted to use it in a finish. Oh, and, yeah, the pear brandy, pear brandy. That's what yeah. they do. <laughs> yeah, so it happens. It happens. This uh, is. I mean, this is honestly one of. If not the like one of the most unique pours I've had, and I don't even know how how long. And sometimes unique is a bad thing, but not in this case. This is this is a, a really really good pour, and I'm someone who doesn't even typically enjoy low proof stuff at all. But you got you just got so much flavor on there, and so much there's so much going on on the palate and the nose. Like that 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 one really excites me. No, that, that that's it. super enjoyable. Now you kind of touched on this. You, you guys are putting in another still, but uh, can you talk a little bit about your setup and how you, you came yeah. with that? Because that's that's kind of akin to what Maker's Mark originally was. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So the uh, so back in two thousand eight, uh, we put in um, the you know, it was a custom Vendome pot still with an onion and then uh, four plates in it, and um, that still um, 
still runs today. It just makes the malt whiskey though. It's, it's, um, it's great, great for bourbon, but really great for the malt whiskey as well. And uh, we just had a 500 gallon system in there, you know, a 500 gallon uh, mash kettle and, um, and 500 gallon fermentation tanks. So that room's still there. Um, the only difference in there now is um, the tanks are thousand gallons. The fermenters are jacketed. You know, we, we control the temperature because we want to drive the yeast to give us the exact specific things we want. And we use a lotter ton now instead of a mash ton because it's making all whiskey. Um, the bourbon room, though, is, um, it was a several million dollar uh, CapEx project for us that we did several years ago. It's a um, 10,000 gallon system, so 10,000 gallon mash kettle, 10,000 gallon jacketed open top fermentation tanks. And then uh, column still, it's 42 feet tall with a doubler, and that's where all the oh, bourbon okay. bourbon's made. Um, and then we also have an Alembic still which we do all the botanical stuff on. So that's where the gin is made. And uh, we do, we make a lot of stuff that we, that we also don't sell, but um, we use in our, uh, in our bar and cocktails. So we do an absinthe, we do, um, you know, all, all sorts of stuff, all sorts of botanicals. We have an aquavit that we sell. So anything uh, botanical or done on the Olympics still. I did have a question. I was reading the, uh, the label and it says, uh, blended bourbon whiskey finish in a rum barrel with the natural flavors added. What is what is the natural flavors added? Is that the natural flavors added to the rum barrel and then and then yes. the whiskey goes in there? Yeah, so the natural flavors are just what was in the rum. So Got it. Spiced rum. So it's things like uh, mace and cola nut and um, Got it. and uh, Oh, okay. I was going to ask that question too. Cherry bark <laughs> and uh, all that kind of stuff roots part so that's it that's it's all the same stuff we don't add anything um okay that. so it's just the rum barrel and the whiskey can i make a like a note thing like on my nose i smell a lot of like what reminds me of a campbellton scotch it's really oh, yeah. impressive by the way yes i got a lot of like saltiness yeah and yeah i mean people will pick that out of our whiskey sometimes um I, it's impressive. I, when I smelled it, I was like, "Whoa, this is not like a what I'm used to in terms of like a high rye bourbon finish and rum cast." So it's like yeah. a, a buttery popcorn. Yeah. Yes, that's what I get from a Spring Bank. Just FYI, <laughs> Spring Bank Ten would have that buttery note. <laughs> and I remember, you know, when um, when I was uh, doing all my Scotch escapades and Scotland escapades and stuff. You know, there were no Campbellton distilleries even open back then, you know, so it's uh, awesome to see them all come back. And, you know, this was all born out of my, it really came out of my scotch club. So I was such a whiskey nerd. I started this scotch club and we get to go with this group of people, you know, like maybe three times a year and you'd bring, you know, it was usually scotch. I mean, people could, would bring bourbon and stuff like that too, but um, it was mostly scotch. And, you know, if, if you showed up and you brought a bottle, you found the liquor store, you, you didn't get invited back. You know, so it was for people that were really serious about it. And um, so, you know, a lot of these people, they'd go to Scotland and, you know, do pilgrimage and find all the old bottlings, um, you know, from the independent bottlers and stuff from the uh, distillers that had gotten uh, mothballed or raised to the ground uh, during the 80s when the scotch bubble burst. But, you know, I mean, I'd show up with, uh, I, one time I brought a $12,000 bottle of scotch and another time I brought an $18,000 bottle of scotch. 
Like that's Sheesh. how big of a whiskey Sheesh. I am. Yeah. I love it. Just like that. I think my <laughs> wife would kill me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, she'd probably really kill you if you said, Hey honey, I'm gonna like take our life savings and open a distillery. <laughs> You're, we're talking like all your savings, your 401k, your kids' college fund, everything. And when we got going, you know, it was it was tough hoeing back then because you couldn't like borrow money for a distillery, so you'd have yeah. to personally guarantee everything. Yeah. Um, and then the it's not fun to talk about, but the tax structure in America is really difficult for a small business, especially if you're making whiskey, because you know you like um, if you have like a dollar in your checking account to start the year. And then you make a million dollars. So you have a million dollars at the end of the year, but you spend another million to lay down more bourbon. They still tax you on a million dollars, even though you still have a $1 in your account because you can't expense it until you sell it. So um, it's, really, it's yep. terrible. It's a terrible model. <laughs> and uh, so it really pisses you off when like GE and Apple don't pay tax. But anyway, um, you know, there were times I sold my house at one point um, to to keep the distillery going in the early years. So my wife, you're talking about patient wives, man, I, I got one. Hey yeah. man, that's an amazing story though, man. I mean, like, honestly, it's like you hear a lot of stories where they do the same exact thing you did, but then they weren't successful, you know? So the fact that yeah. you did this and the fact that you were able to crank out a good enough product to where, you know, eventually people caught on and start, you know, they really start catching on the wave. That says something about the product that you, that you use. So, I mean, that's a, I mean, that's a, that's a risk that one, I would never take it to my wife would literally never let me take anyway. So, I mean, that, I, that's, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, I know that the only thing I, I think of Boulevard Brewing, the guy literally built, you know, yeah. where they were based out of ended up moving into the brewery with his family and that's yep. how they they did things. That's kind of almost what it reminded me of. And and that takes yeah, you all know, those guys. I mean, that's where I got inspiration from, honestly, was from all the American brewers. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. including the guys at Boulevard, including Jim Cook, you know, at Sam Adams, and um, you know, just all yeah. of them. It was it was inspirational to see what happened. And and that was sort of my that was my theory going into this was I, you know, I I said, Hey, I'm gonna open a distillery. And you want to like you should invest in you know or whatever people be like a, a brewery? I was like they didn't even know what I was talking about. Two thousand. Um, but I'm like, look, this is what happened in craft beer, and I think the same thing's going to happen with spirits. So you know, I, I think it's a risk worth taking, and you know, if the hey, wine I, store I, gets I, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, cheers to that. Cheers yeah, absolutely. To like American making rice like that. That's awesome. Yeah, and it, it's worked out well for you. And our, our fourth bottle for tonight will be the high proof blend, which I'm pretty sure Damon will love, um, or at least get close to what he he considers high proof these days. Uh, so can you talk a little bit about it? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I mentioned before, you know, sort of how we blend and pick and choose barrels, and we put them into one of four categories when we taste them. Um, but you know, when we're when the distillers and I are tasting whiskey we just you know we taste it at barrel strength and that's just you know kind of what we're used to and that's where we like it and you know so you're talking you know, it's 120 ish you know somewhere in that neighborhood um and um so we started off you know we figured american palette was you know dialed in at about 86 early on 
and I think we were right. And then um, as we started doing the barrel finishes, we you know started bringing them up to like 92. And then we decided we wanted to release a high proof, especially to keep the bartenders happy because they really wanted a high proof. And um, so, you know, after you start going from 92 on up, it just, it starts, it keeps getting hotter and hotter and hotter. And you're like, you know, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how many people are going to like this. And then all of a sudden you get to 105 and you're like, whoa, something just happened. Like, man, the magic just came together on this whiskey. And then when you get above 105, it just gets hotter. So 105 is a magic proof for this whiskey. And it's definitely the distillers. Uh, it's, it's my, uh, my clan's um, favorite proof. Yeah, this is... On the blend I was looking at, it says a uh, minimum of two years. Uh, what's like the highest year that, that goes into this blend usually? Yeah, probably like 12. And, um, 12. Yeah, we do the, um, we just take the two years. Um, it's almost kind of like, honestly, an in-your-face kind of statement. You know what I mean? Because yeah. um, we've never released a whiskey at two years old. Um, but the rule is, you know, for a straight whiskey, it has to be two years. So we're like, fine, it's at least two years old. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny, um, too have that statement on there and you and people review your bourbon um it's always really entertaining to see what what people say um you know, wow. you know there are people out there that are really excellent at tasting whiskey and then there are people that aren't um and it's funny when you read a review of something that was mostly like 12 year old whiskey and the review is like well it's really young but for a really young whiskey it was really good you know what i mean so it's kind of like yeah. uh I, I, I just get a little bit of a of joy out of that, <laughs> you know, sort of closing, uh, people that probably shouldn't be reviewing whiskeys, but anyway, but yeah, the youngest stuff in here is like four to five years old. And then it's, it'll have a lot of like eight to 12, um, in this one. Yeah. With well, this high proof that, that rod definitely sticks out a lot more. Yeah. It kind of hits you in the face, yeah, but you definitely. still get that sweetness. It's almost like, Yeah, sweet on the back. I'm sweet on the front and the back. And that rod just sticks, sticks on that back palate forever. Yep, I agree with that. 100%. I mean, the other thing I would add is the. Would wood. you consider this as your house plan? Like, what's like yeah. your house profile? Um, I, I mean, I would say the everything else is closer to the typical. When we're when we're doing the blends, everything else is more typical. This one is um, we blend we blend this to a particular flavor profile, so the ratios are different on this one. Um, okay. It's too bad we don't have a single barrel because the single barrels are all you know those are all um, grain to glass. But we have a you know a bunch of products that are all grain to glass Breckenridge, but the single barrel is cool because it really uh, we we pull out the bur the the barrels that concentrate butterscotch candy, like the yellow butterscotch candy, like your grandma or great grandma would have had, like that. And it's a, such a coveted note in bourbon. So the single barrels are are like that. And um, with that, with the high rye mash bill, um, the aging environment up here pushes that butterscotch flavor. So it's nice, but we pull the complete butterscotch monsters out for the single barrel. So we're doing this again next week with those or what? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's <laughs> I mean, I love the high proof. The high proof is like, 
it's you know it's it's one of my favorites for sure but the single barrel with it's just so unique to get that much butterscotch in a bourbon you know it's like it's almost it almost doesn't seem possible you know it's, it's that uncommon yeah. there's a, there's those few coveted notes you know there's like that that like bananas foster you get on the nose of the pappy 23 you know you're looking for that and um and then the butterscotch like butter is so hard to find the butterscotch and bourbon so that's what's so awesome about that one agree i'm liking this one though lisa i'm I'm liking this one and it's it's confusing me because i can't figure out what i'm tasting exactly yeah yeah, well, it's maybe we should have done this one. <laughs> um, I want to save it to the end because it's you know it's it's like which one are you gonna kind of ruin in the flight? You know what I mean? Because you're gonna yeah. go in a different direction, and uh, this one powers definitely powers through the flavors that we've had. But um, try to get in you know by itself and and uh, and it's not a bad thing that I'm saying that. It's just it's no, I'm, no, I'm I, just I, struggling I, on it. Yeah. It's kind of been taken all over the place. You know, you had the PX and you had all the rum and the spices and yeah. yes. now you're coming back. That's a really nice finish. Like very sweet. Like not a lot of panics in the in the finish, which not a lot of wood. Um and just a question. So you guys are making your own um your own bourbon and American single malt now. I saw that there's dark arcs, which mm-hmm. is one of the products, which is a blend. Um, but there, I don't, I don't, I don't see any American single malt out of Breckenridge yet. Is that correct? Or bourbon out of Breckenridge? So the Dark Arts is uh, is technically American single malt whiskey, and so that was the first uh, thing we started making along along with the bourbon. Um, and it's 100% malted barley, a lot of specialty malts. It's it's not a blend. It's all it's all grain to glass Breckenridge. Um, the reason why it's called. Oh, wow. The reason why it's called what it's called is because the American single malt category technically doesn't legally exist yet. And huh. uh, we're, we're very much by the book. Interesting. Uh, and, you know, until that can, I'm on the commission, you know, when we get that done, we'll, we'll then make the switch, but it's American single malt. Um, the, the trick with malt whiskey compared to bourbon is, you know, um, up here, bourbon in like four years is just absolutely delicious. Four years of aging up here, the bourbon is, so nice, especially with the, with the rye, the, the rye spice is at its peak at four years, and then it starts to drop off after that. The malt whiskey, though, man, I mean, it. I we don't release it till it's at least ten years old. You know? So it it just it takes that long. It's just the angular young oak um, doesn't doesn't really dissipate until that point in time. And a lot of it, you know, has to do with the fact you're aging it mostly in used used oak, so it's in used bourbon casks. Um, we, we do put a certain percent into new oak, about 10 to 12 percent, and then we blend the two to your vat, vat the two together uh, when we release the dark arts. But you know, it's it's like a it's a Ferrari monster truck is what I call it. You know, it's this massive whiskey and it's a cult whiskey, and that's why it's 275 bucks a bottle, and I can't keep it in stock. You know, no matter how much I make, so it's it's awesome and unique too. But we're getting ready to release. Um, uh, some halos off of it, and so we're we're actually taking the dark arts and we're blending it with Scotch whiskeys. I worked on this for over a decade to get the right with Scotch whiskeys together with the dark arts, and that uh, that release is called Two Clans. You can see it on our website. It's there's none available right now. That, yep. We're getting ready to release a bunch here. 
probably in about four weeks. And, um, and then by next year, it'll be just out in distribution. It'll, it'll be everywhere, but it'll be allocated. But that's more in line with um, what you'd be used to, like in a really awesome Scotch whiskey. It's got a little bit of everything um, except peat. So the, the two clans is not peated. Um, there's a lot of cherry smoke in it, but no peat. And uh, for the peat lovers, it's, it's brother or sister's coming out, and that's called peat fetish. And that one is <laughs> as peaty as you can handle it. Um, and with that one, we actually took, um, we had the barley um, uh, malted in Scotland and like smoked till there, you couldn't get any more phenolic <laughs> concentration in it and then brought it back over and made it here. So it's crazy. I mean, it's like in absurd peat. It's very medicinal, old Band-Aid, all of that. Iodine, you know, all the fainty notes. It's it's massive. One, I was going to say, you just like hit Ace like right in the heart there. She's loving it. All I can hear is like, are you talking about Laphroaig? Laphroaig and Lagavulin were definitely inspirations for that one. And the Dark Arts, the inspiration for Dark Arts really came from Glenn Ramsey's Signet. Um, and so really, I was thinking yeah. another one, you know, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it really came from, it came from Signet because really sort of the rule book or the heritage of Scotch is, I mean, you can, you know, there's five regions, but it's either peated or it's not, you know what I mean? And, um, you don't mess with the barley. Like you don't, you don't tend to like burn the starches to get flavor at the sacrifice of ethanol yield. <clears throat> you know, they just, they don't do that, but, um, American brewers do. Um, that's how they get all the different multi flavors in American beer. So that was inspiration on, or the, the technique behind that. But but what they did with a signet was they it was for the first time really that I was aware of anyway. They actually took some of the malt and caramelized it, and that's where you get those like those chocolatey multi notes. And when I, I was actually over there when it released, and I was like game changer, you know, I'm like, oh man, I'm gonna take this and I am going to, um, I'm gonna push it as far as you can push it without without um disrupting your mash so we use uh, so much special malt in the dark arts that you know you it's as far as you can push the caramelization of malt until you have an unstable mash right because your ethanol yields get too low but you get so much flavor and so it's like you're threading the needle on it and um that's what's so awesome about it ferrari monster truck <laughs> <laughs> well and and this takes me to uh, uh, a thought that I had because I know you're an art lover. Does does that love of art and seeing the different, you know, I, I, you know, the sh paint, the strokes, all that kind of play into what you're doing there with bourbon, like and yeah, whiskeys? Yeah, absolutely. And um, so it's like the more flavors you have to blend, it's like the more colors you have to paint with, you know. And I mean, sometimes you want to paint a picture with three colors, you know, but sometimes you want more, you know. And um, so that. That's why, that's honestly the only reason we do any blending, um, you know, with stuff from Kentucky, Indiana, Tennessee is just, I mean, it gives you more variety and, and you can be more creative. Um, but again, you know, that's getting harder and harder to do. And it's, it's not as fun as it used to be where you could, you could talk to the, you get to know everybody and they, they would say, Hey, you know, yeah, we got some whiskey you could try. And you're like, Oh my God, this like, this stuff is so good. Like I want to buy it from you. And then you buy it and you blend it. And you know, the stuff that we've blended in our whiskeys over the years, people wouldn't even believe me. 
if I, you know, if I told, uh, you can just think of the hardest whiskey to get. And I can tell you that that's been a staple part of our whiskey for a long time. Um, <laughs> but it gets harder and harder, you know, and honestly, I have to say this, you know, the grain to glass stuff we make, I like, I like better. Um, I just, it's bigger whiskey and that's what I like, but, um, you know, uh, the art, the, you know, the having more to paint with, you can do more, make more flavors. And that's why you barrel finish. And that's why you use different ages. And I mean, I, I just, um, I have utmost respect for, um, for the heritage of bourbon and, um, um, you know, and it's, it's very important. I think if you're a huge brand that your product tastes identical every time. Right. And so um, you get sort of robotic in, in how you do it. And that if I had to get robotic, I, I, my heart would be broken. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. for me, what keeps interesting is tasting every single barrel and saying, okay, guys, uh, the next six months, we're going to tweak the blend and kind of move this way. And hey, everybody put together your best blends and let's, you know, let's uh, put our palettes together and make some choices. And that's, that's you know, that's why I go to work every day, it's getting to do that. Yeah, I like that. I like uh, what I like about you guys just from, you know, what you what you told us this past hours that you take risk. You know, there's, yeah. you know, especially, <laughs> yeah, you take, you take a lot of risk. You're just like, you know what, what the hell, let's let's go ahead and try this. Let, let's see how it turns out. And even, you know, you're talking about, you know, blending and like getting some stuff from Tennessee and Kentucky. There's so many uh, craft distilleries that really just, just rely on, you know, sourcing to, you know, to do their entire line. Which you know, I have no, I have no issue whatsoever. But I think it's super cool. Then yeah, you're just like, yeah, we'll, we'll use that every now and then. But you know, we're still making our own stuff too. You know, and this stuff can compete with anything in the world. And I think that's what's super unique about you guys. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's like you can come at it from the approach of like a business model, you know. <laughs> and um, I mean, don't get me wrong, I do take the business model very seriously, and the the numbers have to work. But that's that's not where I came at it from. That's not at all why I did it. You know, I expected just to hopefully break even, but probably not break even. You know, I, I, you know, I, you know, fortunately had done well. And as a physician and a successful practice, I had some money and, you know, I was like, cool. Like if, if I got to chuck in a hundred grand a year to this business to do what I want for 30 years, 40 years, cool. I'm going to do it, you know? And, um, so that's, that's it. That, yeah. <laughs> that's just why, why that's, awesome. that's, cool. that's what that's what we do so I, I was lucky to be able to do it and I you know I guess that's why why we were successful you know just because it, it was a project that came purely out of passion but I just I didn't give an f you know it was like I'm just gonna do it I'm gonna make the whiskey I want to make that's it but, yeah, I was gonna say that's I think what's key is you're making the whiskey you want to make. You're not trying to make it for someone yeah. else necessarily. I know you know when you find the 86 proof, yeah. you're, you're looking at, at things, but you're you're making it for what you like. I mean, especially when you talk about the uh, kind of the Scotch style whiskey, the high, you know the malt whiskey. There's not a lot of I don't feel like there's a ton of people doing that, and that's just something you're passionate about. And I think that comes through in, in all the bottles. Definitely. Definitely. It'll be a big category in the future. You know, American single malt, it's going to be huge. And, um, but it's not yet. It's just, uh, and people have to be patient too. You know, we've got to get that category button down. And then, and then what's going to happen is everyone's going to be releasing really young malt whiskey, you know, because it doesn't age as fast as bourbon. You know, if, if it's not eight or 10 or 12 years old, it's just people aren't going to like it. And so I think that there's been a lot of that out there, you know, because I mean, for most, 
most cases it's like you've got a cash flow you've got to find a way so you're either releasing younger whiskey or you're trying to force the age you know a smaller format barrel or throwing it in a hot uh you know shipping container out in the sun or you know, <laughs> oak, oak adjunct to it or whatever you know the whiskey will age faster but you, when you get that angular young oak you it never goes away um and so it'll it'll dominate what's beautiful and what's beautiful about malt, malt whiskey is all the subtle notes that come together you know it's like there's just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different things you can pick out of really nice scotch particularly like the highland style scotch that's not like you know dominated by peat or whatever um people are gonna have to be patient and so it's taking a while to get it off the ground i think because people are trying to release stuff too early because it's hard you know it's i mean you gotta you gotta eat <laughs> so i get it yeah. but it, that, that category will come around you know i mean um it's a very different approach to like what the japanese did right so the japanese um said you know we think we like scotch we think we can do it even better you know and man they did you know the <laughs> japanese whiskeys are some of the best um the american craft distillers um are more like hey we love like all these whiskeys so let's take a whack at it and um but oh shit you know we got to eat so let's okay we got to start putting out some younger whiskey and see if people like it so i, th I think that's kind of the setting us back a little bit but not for too much longer <laughs> <laughs> now now before we wrap up anyone have any other questions because I, I feel like there might be a couple yeah, you go. So that, yeah, that twelve thousand dollars Scotch bottle that you brought. What was the bottle? And you know, what what is your favorite um, distillery in Scotland? Yeah. Um, the the most expensive bottle of Scotch I ever bought was uh, a Tully Bardeen. That was um, wow. I think it was, uh, it was like a nineteen. 50 or something like that and i got it from an independent bottler in scotland and it was like the biggest sherry bomb i ever had and they had they bought a barrel of it um and that barrel yielded like three bottles you know it was like it sat around for so long what yeah so i think that was an eighteen thousand dollar bottle um is it gone Oh yeah, <laughs> so, I drank it, man. I do not hoard. I'll get my I'll get my distillers together, and actually, I'll do I do tastings with my whole staff. Like, so we'll, we'll do twelve people per tasting, and I'll teach them how to nose and taste. And you know, it's really important for the distillers and, and the guys blending to know all this. And so, you know, they sort of like we have the regimen, and they get it down pat. And but, um, but I do it with my whole staff and we'll, we'll all like do them randomly at, you know, five o'clock on a Tuesday or whatever, people will sign up and I'll bring everything out. You know, they'll be, they go, oh, what's, you know, this is like, hmm, that, that was pretty good. What was that? Oh, that was the Highland Park 30. You know, that was the, uh, the only whiskey that ever scored a hundred. And, you know, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, but Highland Park is probably, man, they're, they're just, I love Highland Park. It's, their stuff is, is, uh, is probably my favorite because it's got all the subtlety of like um, a Highland style, but it has a lot, it'll have a lot of smoke and a tiny bit of peat. I, I just think they're, they're perfectly balanced, but, um, and I don't remember what the other, 
other one was the 12 grand bottle. I should, I'm sure I got it written down somewhere. But I, mean, I don't hoard whiskey. I drink it. Good. I just I drink it. That's good. I do regret drinking all my Japanese whiskey when I thought that I'd always be able to get it, though. You know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> now you can't get shit. And um, what's funny yeah. is um, uh, Greg Hughes, who's he's the president of Beam Centauri uh, for North America. He's a, he's a friend of mine. And he can't get, like, you know, they have all the good shit. He can't even get any of it. Like, that's how hard it is to get it, right? Because yeah, yeah. they're just, you know, they're, yeah. they're, they're biding their time. They're not going to put it out until it's ready. Sure yeah, so I, oh, so, my, so I wanted to ask, you know, like, about just, like, you know, the future in the company, you know, like, moving forward, I guess, like, let's say the next five years, like, you know, and I, I know this is, it's probably a very broad question for you because I just feel like you sometimes you guys might wake up and just be like, you know, what the hell let's try this. But, you know, are you, do you guys plan on like maybe <clears throat> releasing some, um, some, uh, older, some, some older, uh, products? Are you guys starting like a single barrel program? Like, you know, what's, what's that kind of like the, the five-year plan for you guys? Yeah. I mean, um, next like three to five years, it's, we're just really doubling back focus on whiskey. So there's, we've had, a, I'm just all over the place and I, I love flavors. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, we'll spend time doing like, Hey, let's do like five versions of gin, you know, and, um, and Hey, let's make gin with, uh, with uh, spruce, spruce tips and let's make gin from lodgepole pine and let's make gin from like lodgepole pines that just died from bark beetles. And, you know, I mean, so, it's like, I'm like all over the place, but um, in, in the short term, three to five years, it's squarely focusing on, on the whiskeys. Um, what I would like to do is I want to slowly move the blend to be even more rye forward. And, you know, I, I would say that that's my biggest objective on the bourbon side right now. Um, as far as barrel finishes and stuff go, we're just going to do one-offs. You know, I'm not planning on uh, bringing in uh, a whole new line of barrel finishes, but you know, when there's, when opportunity knocks, we'll do it. Like we did a couple barrels of Chateau Ikem, um, uh, Sauterne finish that were just incredible, but you know, Chateau Ikem is whatever, $800 for a 375 bottle of, <laughs> so, you know, it's like, wow. we'll keep doing that kind of crazy stuff. But, um, um, really the, the single malt American single malt category is going to be big. So we're, we're getting the two clans out. So we're getting all the halos off of the dark arts. And, um, and yeah, that's basically it. I mean, we'll release some, you know, super old stuff and one-offs and we do this stuff all the time. When we do that stuff, it's only available at the distillery. Um, we had this uh, awesome collaboration we did with uh, Breckenridge Brewery. It was called Sexy Motor Oil. I don't know if you can see okay. that. Sexy Motor Oil. But this one was like absurdly awesome. So. They made um, an imperial stout, aged it in a Breck bourbon barrel. We got the barrel or barrels. We got the barrels back within 20 minutes. We had them re, you know, recharged with uh, with whiskey, and we finished them in that for for quite a while, um, yeah. over a year. And um, the you know our fans knew all about this, and we released it at the distillery. We showed up that day, line all the way down the road. And it sold out as fast as we could get the people through. It took like 40 minutes and then it was gone. Um, so <laughs> that, 
doing that kind of stuff. Um, we are actually, speaking of Breckers Brewery, we're getting ready to do some really cool collaborations with those guys. Um, and so what we've been doing is um, expanding on this project to where <clears throat> they make a beer and they age it in our barrels. And then we get those barrels back and then finish the whiskey in it. And um, you just have to keep doing that enough until you can release them both at the same time. And we're getting ready to start doing that. So we're going to start releasing um, the whiskey and the beer side by side um, in liquor stores. And um, it's a pretty big project. Uh, we're going to do one on Father's Day. And then the big one will be um, around like uh, in end of the year, around Christmas time. Um, and it'll be cool because you can like you can buy like a six pack of the beer and a bottle of the bourbon and you get like 10 bucks off the skew and you can just ring it up. Right nice. There. That's, that's, uh, that's awesome. We love working with the brewers, man. They're the, they're so creative and, um, there's again, more flavors, like more stuff to paint your picture. Oh, yeah. with. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's awesome. Uh, I, I was going to say talking to, uh, Nicole Austin from George Dickel, she draws a lot of inspiration off of, uh, craft brewers because of what you said they can do different things they can find different notes they basically could there's no category at times for for different things for them and, and they can have some fun um I, I was gonna say how how much fun is it for you to do those wild projects like you know working with uh breckenridge uh brewing which i i enjoy their their beers as well d you may may or may not i don't know it, you know it, it's hard to say what, what what you might enjoy as far as beer uh, but but how much fun is it for you to do those those fun projects and, and just be creative like you sound like you definitely always want to be yeah I mean that's the best part like what <clears throat> I like going to work when I get to do the stuff that I thought I was going to be doing when I started the distillery so it's it's that kind of stuff it's the creative projects and the people and um, the stuff you know that's not as fun is risk management, HR, contracts, trademarks, insurance, you know, it's, it's all that stuff. And, um, you know, we're pretty thin in, uh, in our C-suite. So, you know, it's just like shoulder so much pain. And I mean, I do not, um, I think I do an all right job, but it's not my favorite thing to do. I love being down on the floor and hanging out with the distillers and blending whiskey and leading tastings and, uh, you know, collaborating with brewers and stuff like that uh, that's you know i mean that's that's what gets you out of bed yeah nothing, nothing wrong with that and then i guess we'll we'll wrap it up with uh what, what was everyone's favorite or or you don't have to say you can just say you loved them all if you ever for some reason have a bunch of this you just need to like get rid of <laughs> let me know <laughs> right. I, I was gonna say i'm pretty sure i just heard you pop, pop your bottle and I just did. I just poured another one. <laughs> this is my favorite. It has some really interesting notes. Yeah. Notes yeah. and palate are not what I, I told my expected. staff when I'm like, all right, guys, like we had it already. And I'm like, okay, we're going to, we tasted like the whole staff. I'm like, we're going to taste you on. Here's, we've got, uh, we've got four versions of this and uh, I'm going to taste you on it. And I, I said, but I got to warn you, like, once we release this, it's I'm terrified because we may yeah. not sell any other bourbon. <laughs> you know? We have we're supposed to have another person here on, on the uh, on the Zoom, but he was he was out of town, and I have his bottles. And when I open this rumcast finish, I text him and I said, "Hey, I know I have four bottles, but you might only get three because <laughs> I might keep your rum." 
the way it goes, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, he Chris might be a little little uh, short on, on a bottle, but no, I, I love what you guys are doing, and um, like I said, the passion that you put into it comes through. No, no doubt about Definitely. it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a fan girl now. Trust me. We're all here. <laughs> well, thanks. Well, well, Brian, I really appreciate you taking the time. And, and uh, D.A., thank you guys for, for, for doing another one of these. And, Chris, maybe D will keep your bottles. Maybe he won't. I don't know. They might just magically disappear. <laughs> thanks, thanks for joining us, Brian. And- There's just something about a flight night that is just so much fun. I appreciate everyone coming on and sharing some pours with us. We'll have another one hopefully next month. We've got some details here just in a second on our June and early July weeks. They're going to be a little bit special and a little bit uber-focused as well. Don't forget to check us out on social media, at Hop Spirits, all one word, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. There you can catch every Monday night our brand-new Give It a Try highlights, our cocktail recipes, uh, and just a whole lot of fun as well. Remember, at Hop Spirits, all one word on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. And if you can, leave us uh, a nice comment on your favorite podcast player. Uh, give us a big thumbs up. Subscribe to us on YouTube. All of that helps, and it's really appreciated. And guess what? In June, we go to summer school. That's right. We kick off a fun session called Summer School 2021, where we'll be talking about how to start your whiskey collection, building innovative brands, and so much more. It all happens in June and hopefully early July if everything comes to fruition. Also, our next giveaway is coming up here shortly. Hopefully, it'll be in May like I promised, but it might be in early June as well. Let's just say it'll be your chance to be a superhero. you want to stay tuned to our social media for that as well. Until next time, cheers, everyone.